Good morning, Cornerstone. How are you? Everybody doing all right? I am grateful to be able to continue in our Wayfinder uh, series, uh, Prayer as Our Guide. And this week I get to preach the sermon that I have been avoiding for the last three months. Prayers of Confession. I was supposed to do it a few, month, a few weeks ago and I said, nope, not ready. So I'm confessing to you that I don't want to confess to you. But what we're going to do today is I'm going to spend some time talking about confession and what it is, and then we're going to practice. And so this is kind of a throwback to your school days where you would have a bit of lecture, and then you're going into lab. Are we okay with that? Because one of the things with confession is, it is one of those beautiful practices that comes throughout the Old Testament, the New Testament. We see it through church history, and it is incredibly profound, and it's something that we need to not just keep in our mind, but we need to activate in our lives. But something I promise you, I'm not going to point out anyone and say, will you stand and confess your deepest, darkest sin to the room? So you can take a deep breath. We're not going to do any of that today. We're going to spend some time looking at this amazing thing that the Lord sets up in his economy that when we admit our wrong, he replaces our guilt with his grace. Will you pray with me? Holy Spirit, you're here. And I ask that you do all that you want to do. Holy Spirit, I ask that the gospel will be released today. That every individual in this room that is able to hear these words of, yes, we know we mess up, but there is one that is greater that replaces our guilt with his grace. And then in a world when we say we've made a mistake, we often experience punishment and isolation. But in the kingdom of God, we experience forgiveness and connection. So, Lord, would you do all you want to do? Pray these things in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Well, my girls were little. I have two daughters. You guys have heard about them before, Grace and Addison. Grace is 20 years old, and she lives in Arizona. Addison is 18, and for the next three months, she still lives in our home. And then we will be empty nesters, and that will be a different sermon at a different point. But when they were little... One of the things that I would do is I would make up silly songs. How many parents do that for your kids? I still remember the silly songs that my dad would make up. And I would try, because I'm an overthinker, to have like a moral lesson in these songs so that they would take with them. And so we had a song, probably could have been a hit, but it is referred to in our house as the sorry song. And the Sari song, I was able to take tours of their preschool, their elementary schools, and in Ashland, Ohio, I'm a bit of a celebrity for the Sari song, so I'm waiting for the royalties for that. But the Sari song started like this. One day, we were in our living room, and the kids were running around. I'm playing this little guitar, and my wife spilled her coffee under the couch, and one of the kids was like, oh, great. So if you know which daughter of that, that's mine, you know that is Grace. Grace is our oh great. Addie is like, ah, and Grace is, ah. So we have different postures for them. And Grace was like, oh, look at the mess you made. And so I started making up this song that really, I believe, needed a Grammy. And it goes something like this. Sometimes 
Even mommies make mistakes sometimes. Even mommy spills a drink sometimes. But that's all right. And then the next day, Grace was mad because I ate all the cupcakes that was for their lunches because I have a bit of a snacking habit after 10 o'clock at night. And I got to sing the star song again. And I said, sometimes even daddies make mistakes sometimes. They eat all of your cake sometimes. And that's all right. Because everybody makes mistakes. And this one's important. Because everybody has an accident every now and then. And at the time in our home, half the people were having accidents more than the other half. Everybody has an accident every now and then. You just say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You guys, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. There you go. Didn't go well first service either. So, but the whole idea was, is being able to take this concept of when we make a mistake, that when we mess up, we need to own up. And I wanted that lesson in the girl's life. When you make a mess, you own up. And it's not that huge of a deal. And it doesn't need to be something that's covered with shame. It doesn't need to be something that you carry around with deep, deep regret all the time. But you realize when I mess up, whether it's spill a drink or eat a dessert, I need to own up and say that I'm sorry. And this concept, as you can see where I'm going, is a biblical idea. Because all of us mess up, make mistakes, miss the mark. Miss the mark, hemartia, which is the Greek word for missing the mark. Do you know what that means? Sin. Sin. We make mistakes. We mess up. We miss the mark, and we sin. And the Apostle Paul writes in Romans to the Church of Romans, he says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So guess what you have in common with everybody in this room? Every single person in this room has sinned, is probably sinning, and falls short of the glory of God. Would you do a favor? Look at your neighbor and say, you got sin in your life. <laughs> now turn to your other neighbor. Oh, 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 you got sin in your life. Now everybody look at me and say, you definitely got sin in your life. <laughs> I want it to be a little bit, have some levity in this issue, but we all have sin in our lives. And what sin is, is it's falling short of the glory of God. And each and every one of us has it in our life. And there is a cost to that sin. And the older we get, am I not right that the cost gets higher and higher? Scripture says that the wages of sin are death. But there is a death that happens, literal death, but also there can be a relational death because of sin. There can be death of dreams. There can be fractures in relationships. There can be so many things that happen as we fall short and as we miss the mark. And we have this in our life. And God knew it and got from the very beginning. And he set up this plan that right after Adam and Eve, they ate the fruit, they're hiding out. They go, we're naked and we're ashamed. God finds them. He says, what have you done? They told him. God lines them up. Everybody gets punishment. And at the end, he says, and I will bruise his heel and he will crush his head. And this is the idea of the Proto-Evangelion, which I've said this before because I just like saying it because it costs a lot of money to get a degree to be able to say Proto-Evangelion, which means the first good news that ever since the beginning when sin entered into humanity 
God had a plan of redemption. And it was through Jesus that Jesus would come and live a perfect life and die a sacrificial death. And that he would raise from again, conquering sin and death. And then he would say, hey guys, it's finished. I fixed it. Now I offer it to you. And how do we receive that? It's through confession. By saying, Lord, I need this in my life. And so we simply come to him and sing the sorry song to Jesus. Because everybody makes mistakes. Sometimes those mistakes are habitual. And sometimes they are every once in a while. Sometimes those mistakes, that sin is intentional, and sometimes it's ac accidental. But guess what? Regardless of how it happened, guess it happened. And that the Lord offers us this ability to come before him and say, all have fallen short of the glory. All have fallen short and sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But there is redemption through me. And he set up a way for us to access this forgiveness. And what it says in 1 John 1, 8 and 9, it says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Is this not upside down? And I've said this a couple times in the prayer, but in our world, if I confess my guilt, it equals punishment, potential isolation. But in the kingdom of God, the confession of guilt equals forgiveness, and he replaces my guilt with his grace. As I sat with that, I know it is so simple, but I just want to sit with that for a second because it's the essence of the gospel that when I bring into light the areas of darkness in me, instead of there being shame and isolation and more punishment, he says, oh, I'm going to replace that with forgiveness. I'm going to give you my grace, and I'm actually going to bring you closer. What an amazing invitation it is to be followers of Jesus and to be part of a confessional community where we look around the room and go, you know what? You guys are saints, but you're a whole bunch of sinners too. And I say that not as judgment, just as fact. <laughs> and the beauty of it is, in that place is the place where Jesus says, that's the place I want to meet you. I want to meet you right in that place that you're trying to hide from everyone and the mistakes you made, because I want to replace that with my grace and my mercy, which is sufficient for you. The Hebrew word is for confession or to confess. It also means to praise, but it's a physical act. It means to throw your hands up in the air like you are throwing off a boulder or to wring your hands together like you're wringing out a towel. And the idea of confession is basically being able to go, I've got something in me that I've got to get out and I confess it and I give that over to the Lord. In the Greek, the word means to admit or to agree. And to confess is basically saying, I'm agreeing with you, Lord, that what I'm doing is wrong and what you say I should do is right. And I just want you to know that I know that you know that I'm wrong. So what I'd like to do 
is I'm going to walk you through what I put together are these five kind of guideposts. This kind of, these, these, these five guideposts for us in a prayer of confession. But I bring that levity in the beginning because so often we have this image of like a really dark place where you have to go into somewhere really quiet and you're telling someone your deepest, darkest secrets and then you leave from there. But being able to go, let's bring confession into the light and just say, we're all a mess. And that the place where we become better is through confessing that mess to God and to one another and beginning to move forward. And the confession becomes part of our vernacular more. That we admit, yes, I have sin. I got all kinds of sin. And the Lord is meeting me in the midst of it. So I want to offer you these five kind of guideposts, these trailheads for us to begin to practice the prayer of confession. And then we move into our time of lab where you're going to go before the Lord. And you're going to talk to him. The first thing is awareness. And when we begin to pray of confession, oftentimes what I do is I have like a laundry list or a to-do list of all the things I've done bad. And I'm like, I did this. Yeah, we both know I did this. Yeah, we did this. I did this. But one of the things is kind of flipping confession a little bit. Instead of us deciding what we're going to confess, we ask the Lord like King David did. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. What we do in the beginning of confession is we say, Lord, would you show me what I need to get up out of me and to agree with you that is wrong? Does that make sense? He decides. The beauty of this is oftentimes I'll have like, well, Lord, I've got a big one here. I know what we're going to be talking about. And he's like, Aaron, yeah, we're going to get to that. But this is what I want to talk to you about here. And then the surprising thing is to go, oh, I see how those two things are connected. But surrendering to the Lord to say, Lord, my first act of confession is would you make, aware, make me aware of the places, the places where I have fallen short. The next thing in the prayer of confession is we have agreement. And that's the idea of where we go and we says, um, that's scripture where he says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. First John 1 John 1.9 and it's that word, that the Hebrew word, it, it literally means to say the same thing as to agree with, to admit. And so we go before the Lord and we have to begin to admit to say, you are the judge of what is good and what is not good. And I'm even surrendering my ability to judge. And I see through your word that what I'm doing, you call sin. It's not good. And so he makes us aware of something. As he points that out, our first act is to go, Lord, I agree with you that that is wrong. I would love to tell you that I am really good at this, but you could ask my wife, my ability to say, oh, I agree with you, I am wrong. No. Most fights last for a lot longer between Destry and I than need to because I'm still trying to convince her and myself that I'm not wrong. Save me a lot of trouble if I just go, you know what? You're right. And being able to go before the Lord and saying, Lord, you know what? You're right. This is wrong. 
and I confess it to you. So prayer of confession, awareness, prayer of, 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 of confession, agreement, and then the prayer of confession, activ- um, activation. And that that is at this moment that there is this spiritual transaction that happens. As we say, Jesus, I am sorry I have done this. I am sorry I am doing this. As we say that, I am sorry that the sorry that we speak out loud is bringing it up and out. And what is being replaced is his grace. Our guilt for what we have done is being traded for his grace and his mercy. And that there's a spiritual transaction that happens in that. Sometimes it's emotional, and we go, praise God. Sometimes we just have to trust by faith. I am going to take you at your word that you said, if I confess this, that I'm forgiven. And that's why it's helpful oftentimes to be able to tell another person, to be able to say, hey, I'm confessing this out loud because I need the reinforcement to know that I'm forgiven of this. Because oftentimes I feel so guilty for what I've done, I return to the guilt and hold on. Because I think if I feel guilty enough, I pay for my sin. My guilt does not pay for my sin. It actually took the Son of God to come down and die on a cross without sin to pay for my sin. That's how high the price is. But we go to this place of this activation and we realize to say, you dismantle my shame and you replace it with your grace. The next we go into um, the prayer of confession. We go into authority. Brian talked a, a few weeks ago on spiritual warfare. You know, one of the things, I mean, Scripture is really clear. It says we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but powers and principalities. One of the things that happen is as we sin, as we make mistakes intentionally, not intentionally. When we sin, we give access and an opening to the enemy in our life. Here's a crude analogy. You leave food out in your house and the doors open and it may attract vermin. It may attract pests, doesn't it? That's what happens. When we have a place in our life where there's sin, it actually attracts a stronghold for the enemy. And so one of the things we do in a prayer of confession is as we have received this transaction that God has replaced our guilt with his grace and that we are forgiven, we begin to take the authority that Jesus has given us and we say, Satan, you have no more ground in this area in my life. Though I agreed in the past, I now sever my agreement with that sin and I make an agreement with Jesus and you now have no more room. Jesus says to disciples, he gave them authority over the powers and the principalities, over the enemy. And so, in our confession, we say, I've done this, I receive your grace. We then say, you know what? In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I command you, Satan, you have no more ground in this area. And then we begin to invite the Holy Spirit to fill us with the strength to resist that temptation again. So the authority is two-way. One authority is to break those agreements with the enemy. Two, the, the authority to wear um, and, and have the power of the Spirit within us to resist that temptation in the future. James 4.7, says, Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he'll come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. He was fun at a party, most likely. Old James the name caller. Come on, James. 
He's trying to show Paul up. He's like, watch this. I'll call them double-minded sinners. But what we do in that is we break the authority of the enemy. We receive the authority of God to avoid sinning anymore. And then finally, in the prayer of confession, we leads us into adoration. In an adoration, we are praising God for who he is and all that he does because we cannot fix this ourselves. We're in desperate need of the Lord to meet us in it, to be able to make us aware, to help us agree, to have that activation, to walk in his authority. And we just praise God for who he is and all that he does. And again, sometimes this is emotional. Sometimes this is like, I feel an incredible liberation. And sometimes it is by faith and it bypasses our emotion and just becomes a reality. Psalm 103, 1 through 5. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and all my innermost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Isn't that amazing that he says if we confess our sins, we tell him when we're wrong, he forgives us and he fills us. So here's what I'd like to do with the time that I have remaining. Now it's time for lab. Now it's time for us to practice. And we do this from a place not of condemnation because every single one of us know, you know what, we fall short. And we want this to be a constant practice because as we continue to do this, it opens up more and more and more of our hearts for the Lord and gets the things out of our lives that are not to be there. And so this is what we're going to do. There will be up on the screen, I'm going to read through a prayer, and you can text this number, and you can get this prayer to your phone. Um, But what I ask you to do, uh, yeah, you can do that if you'd like. Whatever's the best way that you can follow along. It'll be on the screen. You can have it on your phone. Or you can just listen. But I want to invite the Holy Spirit to be here right now. And that the Lord begins to do a work in you and do a work in me. I wish when I was preparing this sermon, he didn't make me go through awareness again. But even today, as I'm sitting over there during worship and going, what is this? What are you doing? He's bringing another awareness of, Aaron, this is a place where there's sin in your life. And this is a place where that sin is costing you. And we need to deal with it. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to invite the Holy Spirit who's already here. You are here. And I'm just going to walk you through these prayers. I promise you, my friends, this is between you and the Lord. There is no one at the last one I'm like, and now tell your neighbor. No. I've been in those situations, and you know what? That's abuse. We're not tricking each other. If you feel you're at a place where you need to go and need to tell someone because it, to confirm that of the forgiveness, that's biblical. But we're not going to surprise you here so that you have to get embarrassed and humiliated because this isn't about condemnation. This is about the grace of Jesus Christ and being able to grow in that. So here's what we're doing. The first thing, awareness. And here's the prayer. If you pray this in your heart with me. Jesus, I come to you recognizing that I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. Holy Spirit, search my heart 
and reveal the places where I have missed the mark. Would you now just wait and listen to the Lord and say, Lord, what area do you want to speak to me today? What area do you want to speak to me today? For some of you, you may feel a little scattered. I just pray peace over your mind right now. The Lord's not giving you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind, and you just allow him to speak. May you not hear it as condemnation. Just maybe nod your head and say, yeah, the Lord's kind of bringing something to light just to let me know and I can move on. We're going to move to the next. And that is agreement. The prayer here is, Jesus, I know that what you call sin is sin. I believe that your will is good, pleasing, and perfect, as it says in your word. I agree with you that, and this is where you fill in the blank, is wrong and outside of your will. As you're there, I have a question, and this isn't to kind of push the issue, but what does that sin cost you?
Now we're going to transition into the prayer of confession, activation. And in this, we say, Jesus, I am sorry for. And I just invite you to go before him and literally, in the quiet of your heart, under your breath, whatever, whisper it to him. Just saying. Because there's something powerful in just speaking that out. Because as the words are let out, it's like that Hebrew where you're lifting it up and throwing it off you. Saying, no more will you be in there. Jesus, I am sorry for. I know that that creates a barrier in my relationship with you, others, and myself. As I bring this area out of the darkness and into the light, I trust that your sacrifice and victory on the cross covers over and washes away my sin. As I confess this to you, dismantle my shame and apply your amazing grace. I receive forgiveness, and I am grateful. There can be a block oftentimes in receiving the forgiveness of the Lord, and I just pray right now that the Lord begins to just break down those barriers, blocking, that shame is dismantled, and you can just see it just begin to just dissolve. and the perfect grace and mercy of Jesus. And friends, I pray that you hear the words of Jesus out of John 19 when he said on the cross, his final words, he says, it is finished. The price has been paid. For the sin that you have confessed, he declares, it is finished. The price has been paid. You are forgiven. Now we move to authority. Jesus, I know that my sinful choices can open a door for the evil one to get a foothold in my life. And the power of your name, Jesus, I break off any stronghold that the enemy has had in my life as a result of my sinful behavior. I command the enemy to be gone, and I reclaim this area of my life for the glory of God. You have the authority because of Jesus to make this prayer, to command the enemy to be gone. And friends, whether in a whisper or just in the quiet of your heart, take that authority and tell the enemy to flee. He's got no ground anymore. Now, Holy Spirit, as the blood of Jesus cleanses me of my guilt and frees me from the grip of the enemy, grant me the strength to resist this area of sin in my life in the future. Invite the Holy Spirit to be your source of help, motivation, strength, energy.
As you are there, I pray, from whom all creation, the Father whom all creation drives its name, and through the Holy Spirit that Jesus can have more and more home room in your hearts, and that the Holy Spirit will begin to fill you, not just with gifts, not just with fruit, but fill you with the ability to resist the temptations of this world. Those temptations that are strong, those temptations that are subtle, those temptations that are to the level of addiction or to things you just dabble in. But Lord, would you do a work in this place to bring us to holiness and purity and righteousness? And finally, who moved to the place of adoration. And this prayer says, Jesus, I praise you and I thank you for who you are and all that you do. Psalm 103, 1 through 5 says, Praise the Lord, my soul, all my innermost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and helps and heals all your diseases who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Take a moment before we sing in your own words. Would you just praise God that this is the way he is? that he meets us in our guilt and trades it for his grace. That the thing that should lead to humiliation and isolation actually leads us into redemption and connection. That's what he is like. And that's why it's called the gospel, the good news. And we praise him. That you love us enough not to leave us in our mess.